Okay. Good morning, people. I have to... I have some sad news that my headset died where I broke the cable on my favorite wired headset that I've been reusing to record. So I'm on a backup headset now. And um, the good news is I'm going to get myself a nice one for Christmas. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to test them out. I'm going to go down to the store and have them show me all the different headsets and test out the recording quality. Yep. Going to do my own consumer report. So welcome to the Stream of Random podcast. This is your host, Mike. It is getting warmer here in central New Jersey, the blue state, the communist state, as some people in the uh, who have knowledge of the situation like to say, the fascist state of New Jersey. But um, I don't feel that oppressed because I don't live in the big cities. And they have selective enforcement, even if New Jersey may be mostly concerned with the cities in terms of regulation. Hey, even the um, curfew that they try to impose on Trenton, um, I haven't heard much about that in a long time because it's totally out of control. People do what they want, basically. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about. Today we have a topic. Can you believe it? After all these episodes, 172 of random episodes, I actually, before I left, I was working, doing something for work. And while I was waiting for that to finish, I was taking some notes down, some ideas, and I even took a picture of my notes, and uh, I have a topic I want to talk to you about. This is going to knock your socks off. I have a plan. I planned out a show ahead of time. And, you know, I guess my plans are very detailed, because... I don't know. We might even keep on trying this out until we get a good show. Meaning, we might have a couple of different versions of this particular one. Because we've reached a point of contraction. Now, we have the breathing in and the breathing out. And the breathing in, we expand our lungs. We breathe out, we contract. Inhale, we take in fresh information. Exhale, we emit leftovers, carbon dioxide. And um, we're in the exhalation phase right now. I mean, we have taken in a lot of information on this podcast. We've produced a massive amount of raw material. We've covered a huge amount of topics. 
but it's not quite accessible to the people who need it. And I have people who ask me questions and I say to them, damn, I have an episode on that. But if I ask them to listen to the episode, I know the ears are gonna start bleeding and they're gonna die. It's like the killer joke from Monty Python. If you listen to this, it'll kill you. So it's really hard for me to just say, hey, go listen to my podcast on that topic because I don't have the definitive episode. I don't have the episode where I can say, this is my best episode. People say, well, what was your best episode? What can I start with? It's like, I don't have one. Because we have been collecting random samples of random information, unstructured, unsupervised. Can you say unsupervised learning? Okay, well, this is my intro. Now, what exactly am I going to talk about? Okay, so I've been thinking about the left and right brain and how it fits together. And before you say, oh my God, not one of these again, listen. I'm going to try and actually explain it. So, first of all, we're going to start with perspective. Okay, I'm walking down the street. I'm walking on the sidewalk. And the sidewalk is getting smaller and smaller as it goes away from me. Because, well, first of all, my eye is curved. The ball of my eye is curved. And um, it has a focus. And there's a little hole where the light comes through. And it goes through that ball and it's projected onto the retina on the other side. So what I see, what I see right now in front of me is the inside of my retina that's coming in through my eye, through a little hole. Well, luckily we have two little holes, left and right eye. And um, <clears throat> the light is hitting them both at about the same time. And there's a lot of machinery in there to coordinate and connect everything together to give you one image, even though my one eye is stronger than the other, etc., etc., etc. But that's my perspective. That's my perspective. So my perspective is, for simplicity's sake, a dot, a hole. I mean, we got two, we have binocular vision. But my dot is a little tiny hole in my head where light is let in through a little hole And um, it's projected, the light's projected onto these neurons, which are picking it up. And transmitting that information. And making sense of it. Now, <clears throat> with your ears, it's also a little hole. You get little holes in your head. 
left and right here. You might have headphones on. You might be listening on speaker. You have these little holes in your head. <coughs> Sorry for coughing in your ear. I tried to cover my hand. You have these little holes in your head. And by the way, I'm going for a walk. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, let me just give you a little disclaimer. This is my morning walk. I'm outside. And I'm doing my thing. And this is the time that I have to share with you. You may say, well, why is he doing it? Well, it beats talking to yourself. At least when... At least I get to record it. And it's an experiment. And there's this company called Anchor. They were like, oh, we're going to give you free storage. (coughs) So it's like, free storage. (coughs) Damn it. I can tell them anything I want. And they're going to store that for me. I'm going to call that a podcast. Now, you don't have to listen to it. You can turn it off right now. You might be, like, shaking your head and say, what the hell is this? All right, so let's keep on continuing. So we're going over the idea of a perspective. Now, audio is a little bit different. From my audio perspective... I hear a car coming, they have a Doppler waves, the air movement, the engine, you hear that car coming and passing. That gives you an idea of sense, an idea of space. But I also can see that I can coordinate those things two together. So we get multiple holes in our heads. We call them senses, little holes, letting in tiny bits of information. And we try and coordinate that all together. Now, we can see that the light that we can see, and even the sound that comes into our ears, All this information that comes through these holes is coming from the outside. Um, I guess you could envision it like a circle around you. You have a dot, which is the hole, and then a circle around it. Now with the eyes, they're set in the front of your head. You can't see behind you. You can hear behind you, so your, your ears are 360, but your eyes or set in the front of your head like a hunter. Give you binocular vision. These are hunter eyes. And they give you depth perspective. We have a whole hand-eye coordination system. But we'll get into the hands later. But basically, what I'm trying to get at is that you have a cone of light that enters your eyes well, they usually show it as a triangle. That's your field of vision. And because you have two of them, I guess the, whatever is in front of you 
at a certain distance is most clear. Now, <clears throat> when I'm walking, my my eyes are moving down the road, so I'm getting closer to things. I'm approaching them. I see them farther away. I see them coming up. And um, we're moving our perspective along the trail, along the path. And so in our conversation, we're also moving our talk down this pathway that I have planned out for us, which you'll see on the diagram. And what I'm trying to paint here is a picture of a pyramid or a triangle or a cone, a view cone, three-dimensional cone. You could call it a pyramid. And I'm saying that we have an eye at the top of a pyramid. And that eye, the eye of God, the eye on the dollar bill, the all-seeing eye, right? At the top, it's symbolic, the Illuminati eye is symbolic of your perspective. And the pyramid underneath it, so when I say it is, I, we take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying it is anything because it has many meanings and it is many things to many people, okay? So just stop it right there. Of course, you know better what the eye in the pyramid means. Or you might just say, you might just dismiss it and say, I'm not gonna listen to this bullshit anymore. So, we all have different meanings associated with this thing. But for the purpose of this talk, I'm going to assign, I'm going to attach, connect, bind the symbol of the eye in the pyramid to the idea of the eye connected to the view cone. Okay, so I'm creating an association and analogy. The eye in the pyramid is to the eye in the view cone as the view cone is to the pyramid. How's that? Little analogy, giving meaning to things, making a connection. So that's the current binding that we're going to use, okay? <clears throat> so we're creating a context in which this binding is defined, and this context is the context of this podcast. So inside of this podcast, which is a finite set of time, and it's a finite walk that I'm doing, going for a walk, and every word that I speak is a different step and position along my route. Okay, feeling like Ulysses here, James Joyce, okay, so stream of consciousness. Now, uh, 
the bindings. So we have this idea of the eye, and the eye is floating above the pyramid. The idea of the soul or the mind, it's not something that you experience directly. I mean, sure, we can close our eyes, we can put our hands in front of our eyes. We see, obviously, right in front of us. We can move our hands. I mean, that's a direct experience, but our consciousness is not something we can point to. Our mind is not something we can point to. It's kind of like floating around. And, um, well, on this podcast, we have seen we can construct we can construct ideas and we can direct the attention we can create symbols in the mind's eye which is also what we're doing here we're delivering you little packets of information we're delivering you instructions for some kind of thought process we're building a neural network, right? We're providing you parameters to train a neural network to perform a function. And hey, who knows? You might this might not be anything new to you. You might have this neural network. You're just gonna find it. And we're giving you some analogies to find it with some some feelings or some guideposts that will help you associate an internal network with what we're talking about so you can kind of align it now what we're doing here is we're giving you bits and pieces of a puzzle to put together so you can construct a viewpoint a simulated viewpoint in your mind that will allow you to place your mind's eye into that eye of the pyramid and look down at what I'm, I'm seeing. You see, it's allowing you to install your mind into the eye of the Sauron, the eye of God, let's call it, which is the right brain. Now, the right brain is the brain that allows you to assume other perspectives. So the left brain is the perspective. It is the triangle. It is the eye. And it's attached to something right now. It's attached to whatever your perspective is. But by going into the subconscious by going through the firewall of the left-right brain divide, you can then follow the network, the path, the trail, and assume a new viewpoint. You can take a step down the path in a direction, you know, and that will be loaded into your mind, like a video game, where you can then travel through 
the expansive network of the right brain, the big detailed graph, and it's also a um, combination system. Let's just say, maybe it's a quantum field of combinations that are put together like parameters, like the numbers on a number lock, like the Da Vinci Code, like you dial in little settings to tune the right, right brain into a certain viewpoint. It's like loading a disk into the computer. And see, this is what we're talking about here. The, 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 the right hand, left brain, is the pyramid side. So it can then switch to a new perspective if you let it. But first you have to detach. And by detaching, you are disconnecting from your perspective and entering the scary void. <clears throat> the dark night of the soul, the, the desert of the mind, the doth of the Kabbalah, the void between the lower and higher energies are connected. And, um, basically, where signals are repressed, the firewall, the great firewall of the brain, so you disconnect your viewpoint, you let your mind settle, right? You let your mind calm down, the muddy, the waters become clear again. And then, and this is what I was talking about in yesterday's podcast, where I was saying, try letting go of the hate for a while. Letting go of the fight just for a little bit, because you have to detach. So this is where we get into mindfulness meditation, where you... You're letting these bindings arise, and then you're detaching them. You're like, oh, well, what about that? It's like, okay, you acknowledge it, and you say, detach, disconnect. You let it go. And you let all these bindings arise, and then let go. And then what's going to happen is that your perspective is going to change, and you'll get into an unfocused perspective, or maybe an internal perspective, where you're introspecting, where you're looking at the mind itself and not focused on an outside item you see or we have a perspective we have a triangle but that triangle is now focused and turned inward and it's looking at the internals okay so now we can look at some models and maps and diagrams and ideas or we can also just feel things or hear things or experience sensations. Those are all different parts of the brain firing up. Something might draw our attention. And if we keep on letting it go and detaching from it, eventually we will develop like consciousness as a ball in the brain 
And it is a perspective of its own. It's like meditation, meditative consciousness. And we, we can reach higher and higher levels or more refined levels of that. Okay, but that's not only what I'm trying to talk about. But that's a good way so we can kind of let go and show some compassion. And this is where we... Compassion is important to just accept the way it is and say, okay, it is the way it is. And we're not going to be able to change it right now. And we're going to just accept things for a moment and not fight for a moment and not struggle for a moment and just try and develop an awareness of our situation, a detachment from a situation. All right. The crescent moon is amazing. Now, so, <clears throat> so when we can then assume any position on the map, we can follow these lines on a network and we can move our consciousness to a new spot. We can dial in, you know, we can imagine you're clicking like a combination lock and you can dial in a certain perspective. Now that is the right hand, left brain manipulating the triangle. You're moving the triangle. You're moving the perspective of the eye. I could just move to a certain spot by presenting it with symbols. See, if you present a symbol to or the relaxed mind, it will then move towards that or create a so start creating associations and start binding to that. So if we let it to start binding again, we can pick any number on the combination and zoom there, kind of like well kind of like you can summon a spirit by calling its name in the magic systems, right? So let's just imagine you can think of a comic book character's name and it will appear in your head, right? So this process is called invocation. Well, evocation is when it appears before you and invocation is when it appears when you assume that perspective. So we can move the camera to different spots. We can either look at it or look out from it, depending on how we want to move the camera. These are just parameters to the triangle eye function, the eye of Sauron the eye of God that we can move in our mind in our internal world you know we have certain dream state godlike abilities where we can move things around in our heads we can fly around in our imagination and we can imagine that we're looking through the portal through the crystal ball into some other thing okay and that we have like some dials and some buttons on the 
around the crystal ball to adjust where we're going to look at. Okay, so um, so now this whole manipulation and movement, the movements of the hands to adjust the walking of the legs. So this is part of the inside-out theory that we covered, where basically the brain is exploring and mapping, and it does so by manipulating. So the brain has patterns of learning and exploring, and it's constantly learning and exploring about its environment. So when you hook the brain up to this crystal ball, it's also going to start fiddling with the numbers and learning to control it and then getting a feedback loop. So that is the learning system of the brain, right? The exploring system of the brain that um, creates actions and then predicts them and learns to predict them and manipulates its environment in a feedback loop. And that's basically what we call the survival instinct or the life instinct, self-preservation system, life support system. And that life support system is also what's going to boot you out of these daydreams and say, wake up, it's time to go to work, or wake up, there's a car coming, wake up, there's something weird happening, wake up, I heard a noise. And that's also the right brain that's in the background, constantly listening and thinking and scheming based upon the information that's in the perspective. There's the background. There's the things that are you're not focusing on. There's an artwork that's like all the things that my mind aren't thinking of right now. And as soon as you start thinking of one thing, there's going to be more things that you're not thinking about. And as soon as you switch the perspective, as soon as you fiddle with your <clears throat> crystal ball to look at something else, then everything else becomes out of perspective, and it's an endless loop. So this is how we can name and point you at these things, but you can't see them directly only by observation of yourself and observing of the mind and building of these introspective networks will you be able to see them. Okay. And these different levels of self-awareness, you'll get imprints, you'll have an aha moment and that aha moment is when your brain is getting a dopamine feedback and it's freezing in a neural imprint. It's creating a signpost like, oh, I found something interesting. I had a key experience. Let me save this. And these key experiences will guide you your whole life. They're very hard to change. These neural imprints and um, 
there are neural imprints for the meta thinking layers, for the self-awareness layers, and so forth. One of them for me was like this endless loop of the brain becoming aware of itself and like that feedback noise where the, the cycle gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until you like want to scream. That was a key a key experience of discovering, you know, the awareness and becoming aware of your awareness. And it's important to kind of like take that easy. Don't go too hard on that one. Okay, so. So we have the, um, I'm trying to paint a picture here. It's on the picture I'll show you in the show notes or the album art. You've got a, um, your viewpoint, whatever viewpoint you pick, you've got your muscle system, motor system, that's modifying the viewpoint. It's modifying the world. It's taking actions. You're predicting the new viewpoint. Um, <clears throat> it's moving down the trail, and there's a stuff that's next to the viewpoint, let's say at the top of the pyramid, and that all is in your right hand, left brain. So if you make a circle around, if you have this big pyramid, and you make a sphere surrounding the eye, right, that's like the top part, right? And let's just say that the, the top half is surrounded by this sphere. Now that's your, uh, and the sphere is centered around the top of the pyramid. So that's your right hand, left brain, where it's focused on that viewpoint. And all the variables are bound, and everything is basically locked down and under control. Now, the bottom part of the pyramid and everything that's farther away, we're going to put another circle on the bottom part where basically, let's just say you have two circles of the same size, left and right brain, two hemispheres. They're not exactly the same. And they're twisted and shifted, but okay. Um... And they meet in the middle. There's an overlap in the middle, an intersection. That's the line that draws between them. And your classic uh, Venn diagram. And um, the circle on the bottom covers the base of the pyramid. And with the pyramid walls and the two, the two meet, that's the connection area between left and right brain, those are the channels of communication where the packets are flowing between them. These are these networks or highways that have to be created. And then once you get into the right brain, you have all these disconnected pieces, these huge networks, these combinational systems, combinatorial systems, these background systems that are all pulling in data from the unknown and bringing it into focus and feeding it down to 
the focus part of the brain. So these are like your tentacles and crawler systems out there, like working in the background. Now the guy said that that's also your master brain, you know, and um, maybe at the center of the uh, left hand, right brain, you might have, let's say, the uh, your secret emperor, the uh, Buddha guy, who's um, sitting there. The Buddha dude who's sitting there and um, meditating or planning or he's getting all these different messages and pulling stuff in but he's not attached to any perspective now this is kind of where I'm trying to get to that we've got multiple perspectives and your perspectives are changing throughout the time at any given point it's always bound but over time they're shifting. And we can also imagine other people's perspectives. We can try and put ourselves into other people's shoes through detachment and compassion and meditation. So, okay. I don't even have gloves on today. So yeah, I hope this recording worked out. Let me just double check it. Yeah, it looks like it's recording. You know what? I'm going to just stop this, take a break. I think this is pretty good. Okay, welcome to round two. Well, that was quite the uh, different uh, little trip there we did on the Stream of Random podcast, kind of like a guided meditation and um, <clears throat> a planned execution of an idea, layer by layer, bit by bit. I hope you enjoyed that. It was something different. Um, maybe we'll do more of those on this show. We're kind of melding, we're starting to meld and merge all of these ideas together to get a deeper understanding of how things fit together in the brain, Uh, different theories. One theory that I think is worth reiterating is the meme survival theory that I have no proof for. It's just a complete conspiracy theory, let's call it, hypothesis even, conjecture. Let's call it the meme resource conjecture from Mike DuPont, James Michael DuPont of 2020, December 2020. My meme resource conjecture is that the memes, the ideas, are self-replicating entities that live in humans fighting for resources, meaning food, sugar, oxygen, space, neurons, neuron connections, neural networks, and they're actually fighting with each other over the control of the brain. Like your brain is the property, 
and they are the landlords. <clears throat> and they are using drugs and emotions and hate and love and all that to do it. Think about that. And um, I could explain a lot of things. Getting you hooked on some emotion, some trigger, making you want to go back and back for it some more. <sighs> anyway, so I'm putting up together my Christmas list, my wish list, what I want for Christmas. So I want to get a throat mic. There is a tactical throat mics for um, for tactical operators, let's call them combat people. Uh, <clears throat> so it just picks up right off your throat and uh, you don't it will suppress the noise so you can talk to each other in a firefight um, yeah I'm going to get myself some tactical uh, military grade equipment for my walks so uh, that's the plan then I want to get a little mixer. Maybe I'll get a second phone and a mixer. So I have two phones. I can have one for recording and one for a soundboard. I got a bunch of phones. If I could just connect them together, I'll have one as a soundboard machine. I could use one as a server even. I could have a couple of phones. Just throw it in my backpack. You know, do Wi-Fi sharing and all that. So um, that's an idea, or even just a Raspberry Pi that I take with me um, with a battery. <clears throat> as a little onboard computer for my trip, my walk. That might be interesting. And then I could just use my phone for the modem, for the uploads, streaming, and uh, maybe for the user interface, so I can have like a little soundboard for clipping, for playing clips, and that would feed into the Raspberry Pi, so I could um, hook up my um, hook up my phone to the Raspberry Pi as an input. I could have multiple inputs. A little mixing board. So that's what I want. I want a mixing panel with multiple jacks um, and a uh, mixing board with multiple jacks hooked up to the Raspberry Pi. The police are driving by. The sun's coming up. I'm on my home stretch. I got some bagels, some fresh coffee, a sandwich. I'm earning my bagels, let me tell you kids. It is walking has also helped me all over the place. Um, okay, so that's what I want. Just my little project is my little mobile switchboard, little mobile mixing panel. And uh, 
The mixer should be controlled from the user interface of the phone as well. And I want to have like an outside mic, I want to have a throat mic, maybe a little um, headphone, head camera I can turn on, or a little body camera. I mean, we're thinking basically like some kind of police tactical gear. You know? Like a, um, a whole mobile podcasting setup that maybe other people would want. And imagine that. You know, battery packs, uh, water, hooks for holding things, microphone, mixing cable, phone holder, charger for your phone. The whole deal is going to be the walk casting 2.0 setup. And maybe other people will join me in walk casting. Not just podcasting. We're just going to define it as walk casting. We're going to make it trendy. We're going to make walk casting great again, you know? Because people aren't walking enough. They're driving around in their chart cars. Why? If you're working from home, you're working remote, why can't we just walk to the store and get our stuff? You know? Why can't we eat what we carry that day from the market? What happened to the marketplace? Got enough parking lots, why not a market? Why not a market? Why not a pop-up market? I got all these great domains as well. I gotta start implementing them. So, <clears throat> so basically, once we, okay, so let's talk about how we're going to implement some of these websites. So how do we handle authentication and trust? Let's just say we use Keybase, right? And um, in Keybase, you follow people, and then in Keybase... You sign that you have control of a post. You authenticate your feed. You own this material in the web. Um, And now you want to post to my website. Well, and now we get to say I either trust your feed in general or I make you, you post something and then you sign that with a secondary post or you embed the signature in the post. And um, maybe we can embed the Keybase signature in a link. You see? Maybe we can just put it in a link. Like, we haven't explored what the maximum link size is on Twitter. I think that's gonna be the next. Like, how many bytes can you put into a link? It's like 2,000 bytes or something? HTTP headers? But what does Twitter consider to be a maximum link size and other social networks? <clears throat> so, like, why should I handle authentication if I'm just going to trust other people posting and then I'll just pull in their data once I trust them and we have a web of trust, we can pull their data into my website. And I just have a harvester that pulls that stuff in 
and converts it to whatever format we need it to be. And uh, then we can have everything static. I mean, some of this stuff can actually be hosted on the DNS. Like we can create subdomains. And copy data into the DNS. I'm sure they're gonna love that. And can we create a protocol for extracting DNS data from a link without actually resolving the host? So it's like, resolve the, um, the domain name and extract some data from there in JavaScript, and that's it. Maybe we can give some hints. Or we can redirect to static URLs or something. We can take a domain name and have that redirect to some URL with some massive amounts of data packets inside of it. Encoded. And that would then be a URL that would be resolved locally or even if you fetch it, it'll result in a JavaScript that you would then interpret if you trust it. So we got a couple of different options here, um, but it's all about trusting and having the data hosted somewhere else and then having a collector harvest it. So yeah, we're gonna think about that. That way we can just break this whole idea of hosting. We just make it static and vet it. And that's it. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Now I think I've got the pieces now. Okay, well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm going to listen to some podcasts, and I will talk to you maybe in another episode today. Okay, I'm going to throw in an extra little clip here because I'm feeling it. So I was talking to people who have knowledge of the situation, my uh, inside source for all things conspiracy. And he was informing me and just warning me that he's like, why do you look at Twitter? It's all fake. And I said, I want to understand what's going on. I want to know what they're saying. I want to understand what the different parties are saying. I want to know the details of it. I want to see what their arguments are. Because a lot of times, um, the communists and the left have very good arguments. They expose true truths and little bits of truth or half-truths or logical fallacies. They but it's important to understand what they're saying and why they're saying it. Um, to also understand how what motivates people and what's going on. So let's just call it the current memes. Like, <clears throat> instead of taking a side and saying it's all, this side is lying because I'm on the true side, we could say all the sides 
are biased in some way and lying in some way or hiding some information in some way. And we're not going to get the truth. So the only thing we can do is look at the different pers- the arguments on both sides, on all the sides, and try and piece together maybe what what they're saying. And this is a much more drawn-out effort. And, um, you know, it has to be also worth it. But uh, I just took a quick look at... I wanted to find out what's happening with the Texas lawsuit. I had a look at Twitter news. And all I see is reports from Canada where they're saying, will I be forced to take the vaccine? Or is the vaccine safe? And they're just talking about the vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Giving all the news on vaccine, trying to make it palatable. And it's definitely a spin. They're spinning the vaccine to get people to take it. Okay? They're not spinning Gary Knoll. They're not telling you about alternatives. They're just pushing the product. And also, I think the reason why they don't want you to look at alternatives and make up your own mind is because we're being prepared. Like, if they could force you to take the vaccine, like in Canada, in America, they would. They meaning the communists or the authoritarians, let's put it that way. And, um... Fauci is just making even fun of the Americans. Uh, We heard about that on the No Agenda show. So, we have to look to Canada as... This is a conquered territory, and they get to... These people have less freedom, and less idea of freedom, so... We can look at, this is what happens to you... um, If you let the authoritarians win, just like Albania, where they're shooting people... For leaving their house after 10. And you have to call the police and ask them permission to leave your house, to leave your jail cell. Okay? That's freedom. But they have free health care and uh, free education. So why should they complain, right? And soon, if people get their way, they're going to have free education, but free health care in America and have a total authoritarian state. So. The point is that Twitter is definitely censoring and definitely pushing an agenda as Facebook and Google and YouTube. And it seems to be a, just like they all did a coordinated attack, Apple, they all did a coordinated attack on taking down Alex Jones at the same time. That was just the the beginning. Now they're coming for you. Okay. First, they came after Alex Jones, and no one said anything because he was fucking crazy. Then they came for you. And there was no one there to defend you. So, um... Okay. Got that off my chest. So definitely, I think it's worthwhile to study and look at the trends and look at what mainstream is writing. Because, um... And how they're doing it and deconstruct it. That's like the no-agenda theory. Um, and that's also why I listen to Tim Pool because he's really straddling left and right. Um, so, and I think it's important to, this is one thing that 
is important for me is like, how do you lift yourself out of a specific reality tunnel? How do you, how do you loosen it up? And I think mindfulness meditation is the way to do it. As I said, I have some episodes on that. I think I mentioned it a couple times, but I'll mention it again. You just focus on your breath. You focus on breathing. And anytime that your mind gets distracted with something else, you just acknowledge it and you say, oh, I was distracted by something else. I'll look at that later or, you know, that's nice. Now let's get back to our breathing exercise. And you keep on doing that. And eventually you'll build up that muscle, that attention muscle, and you'll also become aware of what you're thinking. Because by focusing on something insignificant, you will become aware of everything else. That's also the the um, right brain is aware of everything else. And if you focus the left brain on something boring, then the left brain will start detaching and it'll start erasing these variables, these bound variables I talked about. And the bindings will start coming undone and you'll start loosening your perspective. And eventually you'll have a free um, left brain that can be focused on anything. And you focus it on consciousness and developing the strength of consciousness and awareness of that moment. And once you've developed that, then you can work on, let's say, a global perspective or universal perspective and focus on a larger, larger bubble around you. You send that consciousness out from the center of the pyramid, from the dot of the triangle, out to the expanses of infinity. Um, Of course, you'll never get there, but you can project it. All right. So that's the end of that segment, and I had one more thing to say. But I don't know what it was. But uh, I definitely wanted to share that. Um, but also, you should become aware of your thought, your feelings, like fear and anger, our big meme, meme, um, meme foods, and um, maybe you can also become aware of your memes and um, see how they operate and stare them in the face. So we talked about carrier systems and tree structures and so forth. Well, consciousness is like a carrier system for memes. So the content of the consciousness is like the content of the meme or whatever behavior. So we can develop behaviors that are becoming aware of other memes and or other ideas and able to observe them directly operate. You can see, oh, That's where that feeling's coming from. Or I can see this person's triggered by that thing. And um, it's not really to judge, it's just to develop an awareness to begin with. Because once you start developing an awareness for this, then you're feeding 
the uh, left, the right brain, which is like the data center, which is like aware of all these different things. The spidey sense, you'll start developing a spidey sense awareness of things. And um, it's about building the network, as I said. You have to build the neural networks. So we'll talk more about that as we go. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that little clip in. I forgot the other part I was going to say, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Okay, now I remember what I was going to say. So I'm thinking that um, we have these systems like BitChute, which contain all types of deleted material off of YouTube. What if we started to archive this material on archive.org and um, as a trap for the leftists to prove that they're censoring because Amazon is behind us. We could use that as a, as a trap or as a canary in the coal mine. We'll call it um, Operation Amazon Canary or Amazon Parakeet. We have to find some canary bird that lives in the Amazons. We'll come up with that Latin name. We'll call it that operation. And we'll create scripts for downloading all these banned videos off of all of these alternative websites, these alternative uh, YouTube hosting sites, and uploading them to archive.org. And um, I'm going to create tools for that, and then eventually archive.org is going to start censoring them. And we're going to prove that they're censoring or not. So that'll pave the way for my podcast, of course. I'll just ride in with a stream. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, is like, why don't we um, raise money for a, an alternative to archive.org called the Trusted Archive? Right? based on blockchain. You know, it's going to have central servers as well, but it's also going to be blockchain. So anyway, those are some ideas. And, um... You know, writing stuff and storage costs are one thing, but also bandwidth is another. So... We need to look at all these numbers. Um... could have like a checkout system where you can only one person at a time can check out a video so if someone's got a video checked out it's locked to reduce bandwidth cost and then someone has to wait or they have to share it themselves that will create like a peer-to-peer sharing so like a hybrid centralized blockchain peer-to-peer sharing system. Okay, that's idea number one. Number two, this whole COVID thing is a humanitarian crisis. Where is humanitarian open street map in all of this? You know, where are the maps? Like, where can you buy things? What are the restrictions? What are the travel restrictions at any given time? What are the curfews? What are the lockdowns? 
where can you buy toilet paper? Like, these are things that people need to know, right? Can I travel from here to here? And OpenStreetMap's not stepping up to this humanitarian crisis. People are losing their livelihoods, they're losing their jobs. It's worse for some people than, you know, anything. And I don't see any crisis being called. Everyone's just sitting around. You know, I don't see any call to action in the OpenStreetMap community. So I'm gonna call to action right now and say, where are you guys? What's up with you? All right, thank you.